welcome once again to a novel evening. As always, I am Danny. You can find me over on Instagram as Blotted Ink Books or occasionally on TikTok as a novel evening podcast. And I am joined this week by Pim Wang Titcharat, who is the author of The Moon Represents My Heart. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I keep seeing this book everywhere on Instagram for very, very good reason. And it's actually already been optioned to become a Netflix series, um, which is crazy exciting. And there's a good reason for it. If you love a novel with love, if you love a novel with time travel, I think I've got you there. Uh, if you just love a book that grabs you right in the feels and doesn't let up, this is the novel for you. It's beautiful. It's a, such a heartfelt poetic you know such a gorgeous glorious prose it's a stunning stunning book uh, it's an incredible debut and I'm so excited to have Pim join me to talk all about her inspirations behind the novel uh, her writing process of course the super exciting news that's gonna be hitting our screen soon uh, and diving into her novel evening so a massive hello to Pim hello hi nice to see you oh and you and you how are you doing I'm doing okay in Bangkok it's like super hotter at the moment so I'm like I have my AC on and I'm like sweating <laughs> yeah I'd say I'm jealous but also I know like the heat out there is so oppressive like it's it's not very like intense yeah no it's very intense oh my goodness but you guys are equipped for it like you have AC I feel like in this country we're not prepared for heat at all no, I love when like you have like one rad day of sunshine and you guys all go sit out in like little patches of green, like in short <laughs> shorts and just be like, what's sunbathe? Yeah, <laughs> and, and if it's, it like, goes over degrees. like Yeah, if it goes over like 25 degrees, we're melting. We can't cope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know what it is out there where you are, but it's absolutely horrific. Oh, it's like 38. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Ooh, you can't really go anywhere or do anything in that heat, right? But it's that hot. No. Yeah, we just stay in malls. <laughs> With air conditioning. We just stay in shopping gone. malls, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's actually what we do. But also, I guess it's a good time for you to be doing some writing and things when it's hot outside. Yeah. You have to stay in, right? Yeah, yeah. Great segue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, we have come to talk about your debut novel. Firstly, yes. congratulations. Uh, because yeah, I'm seeing so Moon Represents My Heart, I'm seeing it everywhere. Like thank you so much is how does it feel real yet is it kind of as it sunk in no it doesn't because it just feels like really surreal like super surreal because I think I've wanted to write since I was like I've been making up stories since I was very young and then I've wanted to be an author since I was like I think like 12 like 11 12 but I never thought it would be possible especially since I'm not from the UK or I'm not from the US so I'm like born and raised in Thailand so I'm just so it's kind of a bit surreal like I have my own book that I can touch and like pick it up it's it's very strange like I it doesn't feel real and it's a beautiful book as well I mean the cover is stunning I mean did you know what it was going to look like did you kind of help with the design process did you get to see kind of as it was getting designed um yes they they would send like the cover to me and like have me like give notes and I I would say that I I've been so stupid in this (laughs) entire like cover process because at first I was like oh I don't see how this is gonna work I'm not sure if this is gonna be great and then when I see it as a book and they were like no it's gonna be good it's gonna be great and then when I see it as a book I'm like oh now yeah it it like works 
I think it's different when you see I'm like wow this is like really pretty like I (laughs) oh my god it's gorgeous and I keep seeing it I see it everywhere I'm gonna I'm gonna need a finished copy on my shelves because it's absolutely stunning and so my first question where did this idea come from because it's a really beautiful story and you're covering a time travel there's fantasy elements there's romance but where did this idea come from tell for anyone who hasn't heard of the story hasn't read it tell us a bit about the story and where this came from um, so the story is uh, the movie represents my heart is about like a, fa- a, Bri- a family of British Chinese hand travelers. So it, the premise of the novel is um, the the parents go back in time on a trip to the past and they don't come back. And then the story is about how the two children, um, twins called Tommy and Eva, deal with that grief and how they deal with their own relationship to time traveling. And um, and another strand of the story is the story of the parents growing up discovering their abilities and the dad moving to England from Hong Kong and how he meets the mom and they build a family so um so it's a very personal story it's a lot of it is based on my own Chinese heritage so um my um my both sides of my my parents are are Chinese and lots of it is based on my dad and his dad and my my grandpa like immigrated to Thailand from China when he was in in his like twenties, so a lot of the story is about the two of them, and about my relationship with my dad as well, and um, um, and also my dad grew up in Hong Kong as well, so a lot of that is based on my dad's life, and I think the whole idea for the novel came from this idea I had about um I had this question like what would happen if someone was to become addicted to traveling back in time because I <laughs> yeah it's kind of yeah I think um I was going through this period in my life when I was reflecting a lot reflecting back a lot on my life on relationships I've lost or um friendships or romantic relationships or just like family relationships and just like questioning why I make certain choices or how am I supposed to deal with these losses and I find myself going back to my relationship with my dad a lot and going back to like past kind of like my own history Mm -hmm. so I think and then it felt a bit like I was living in the past a lot yeah and I was trying to figure out oh so how do we like we can't totally ignore our past but how do we find a way to embrace our past our history like coming to terms with that, finding peace with that, but also finding a way to move forward with hope. So that's sort of how the novel came about. It came about from like the premise of like what would happen if someone were to become addicted to traveling back in time. And that's sort of like what one of the characters go through as well. Yeah. And time travel, I think, is something we are so fascinated by generally as a whole. The idea of being able to step back in time and see something is there's something yeah. really appealing about it. But also I think there's something dangerous about it right if you could go back and live in the past how easy it is like you say to just become addicted to that yeah um I think like I think like lots of time traveling stories are like kind of like a lot about a lot of them are like the bells and whistles of time traveling like oh it's so exciting to see history happening and stuff like that but I think like what I I was really I've always been really drawn to are like time traveling stories that are very like rooted in human emotion and he and very rooted in the fact that like we have this the characters have this insane ability to travel back in time but somehow time is 
inevitable, if that makes sense. Like yeah. time is something that they can't really beat, even though they have this ability to traveling back in time. So I think I find that very interesting and I want to play with that side of the genre more rather than the whole like science-y thing. Yeah, because that's what I was gonna say. It's obviously a very, yeah. the idea of time travel is something that's quite complex. So when you're yeah. kind of writing your own version of it, I was going to say how much of it comes from having to think <sighs> about logistics and how much is it kind of just, I'm going to go fantasy with this and anything goes. Um, yes, I definitely went the route of like, I'm going to um, just not hand-waving, not hand-waving it away because there is like logic yeah. and rules to the time travel in my book, but the sci-fi of it is not like the yeah the main crust of it if that makes sense the main like point of it yeah. um I think like one of my um when I was writing it um when I was doing my postgrad degree and my one of my lectures was like oh you should read um uh, this like I think what's this um um the um the Stephen Hawking's book about time oh, travel the brief history oh, like, of time is it yeah, that the one? brief history yeah. of time yes oh, and I was like nah <laughs> <laughs> no, ooh, no thanks <laughs> <laughs> so what I really like used a lot like found inspiration from it was actually um stuff like um certain Doctor Who episodes actually and um yes um Blake the one with um David Tennant and Carrie Mulligan the one with Weeping the Weeping Angels and yes yes and Vincent Vincent and the Doctor the one where um Matt Smith and Karen Gillan and they go back in time to see Vincent Van Gogh and those two episodes are very like self-contained and they're very rooted in like emotional like the characters going through some sort of grief so I try to use my time travel in that kind of regard that kind of sense and another thing was um the Richard Curtis movie about time I was gonna say yeah I definitely have some similarities in the kind of way the travel works yeah I, I get that for sure yeah like I think in that movie, all he does like there's no explanation for like why are these people being how how are these people able to time travel or like what's the science behind it? They basically just close their eyes and then they just go back in time and there yeah. are yeah and then there are certain rules about it like certain kind of like guidelines. So I have that I have certain guidelines for time travel in my book just to give basically just so that the characters can't escape time if that makes sense yeah and and yeah so but the magic of time travel it's sort of used more kind of like magical realism rather than sci-fi so that's yeah yeah, that's how and you said this is obviously you've drawn a lot on your kind of own experiences your kind of own life story was it quite cathartic to kind of write this story was it quite an emotional process for you when you were writing it yeah, it was actually very personal. And I also wrote it during COVID. Wow. <laughs> so that was like it. It was in- yeah, so it was a bit intense. But a lot of it is based on my real life. Like um the there's um I used to live in London. So a lot of it is also I had to revisit a lot of that kind of displacement that I felt like living, the loneliness of like living as an Asian person from Asia in in a city like London and a lot of it was um I think the most emotional parts were basically when um I interviewed my dad I had a conversation with my dad about his relationship with his dad and also how he felt growing up in in his household basically so I think um when my dad was seven my 
his parents basically like shipped him off to Hong Kong to stay with cousins oh, so he could have like a Chinese education so a lot of it so there's a lot of complicated feelings yeah. around like um yeah so a lot of how he was raised also informed how me and my brother were raised so a lot of that was very personal to write about and also very I don't know if cathartic is the right word but more like I think it's like something that I needed to confront and come yeah. to terms with but also find the good things in them yeah. and like also find grace in that a lot of that yeah it's interesting, so you know because you say your dad was, was seven my little girl is six and it's very hard for me to imagine sending my little girl to you know yeah completely different but like you say it's it's at different times as well and doing what you think is right for your children and you're seeing it through different perspectives so, you know your grandfather's view is that he was doing the right thing sending a son to get Chinese education yeah. and dad saw it differently you might see it differently so I think that's the interesting thing with these stories is depending whose eyes you're seeing it through it's a very different yeah. story yeah and I think oh to your last question you asked oh was it like easy or hard to write this and I think this what what was interesting is that like the the chapters that are about the children the two children the um the those were like very hard to write but I think maybe that those were the chapters that were more so sort of like based on my experiences and my brother's experiences but the chapters that are centered around the parents who are based more on like my father or like my grandfather or like those chapters were so easy to write for some reason I it just like yeah it just flowed and I just and there's also like a lovely love story that I gave to the parents because I felt like I wanted to give my grandparents the love story they they never had so I thought so it just flowed really well and I was just like writing so those those chapters were easy but the the ones that are based on the children like centered around the children those ones yeah. were like ooh. <laughs> That's so interesting as well that you kind of found it easier to write about the parents and it kind of just flowed. I think yeah. that's really beautiful. Oh yeah, I was surprised too. I was like, wow, this is I actually like know what's gonna happen like right yeah. away. It's just like this. that's what I was gonna yeah. say as well. When you were kind of writing, did you know the plot from start to finish, or did you kind of discover it as you were writing? Um, I'm the sort of writer who needs to know where I'm heading in order yeah. to write. Like I need. I'm one of those very annoying writers who has to have like a chapter outline, like, oh, what's oh, happening in this chapter? Yeah. Yeah. I'm the oh. same because I forget. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, so like when I started writing, writing this book, I had the final scene in mind. Like I knew what was going to be the yeah. final scene and the, the spirit of that final scene is, I knew from the start that that's the spirit of the final scene is sort of the spirit of the book. Yeah. So I while I was writing it was always like towards like writing towards that last scene so I think that that was e not like easy but that made it easier in that sense yeah yeah and it's a story that's got a lot of hope in it and you also don't shy away from you say some kind of difficult themes within the book and you obviously said it within Britain so when we first meet the children it's the 20s in Britain right when we first kind of when they're very little and you meet them I don't know a great deal about Britain in the 20s in terms of kind of diversity within the country. I don't know a great deal about that. But obviously you're writing about a time where I can't imagine there was a huge amount of Chinese communities within within the UK. I could be completely uh, wrong. 
Oh, that part is so interesting. So um, um, the story of the children sort of starts around like um in our present day. So like, yeah. uh, the, but one of the the son Tommy he travels back in time to the twenties and thirties a lot. That's like his time period, and that part was really interesting because I did I had to do a lot of research in terms of um the Chinese community in in Britain at that time and there's actually um I think the first Chinatown in in um in the UK is the one in Liverpool and the Chinatown the one yes and the Chinatown that's in London at the moment that's not where Chinatown used to be so Chinatown used to be in these and like near Limehouse so if you go yeah so if you go to Limehouse even like present day, you can see Chinese street names. So the street names, some of the street names are still in Chinese. So there's a lot of like research that I did about how, what was a uh, life like in yeah. Chinatown, like for those immigrants, like, so that was really interesting, especially leading up to the second world war. And, and this is not a huge spoilers for, um, for the book, but there's also like, um, I did a lot of research about Chinese sailors who helped um who fought in the second world war alongside the british and um what happened after they they the the war um finished was that the government didn't like having these immigrants like living in in um in britain and especially lots of them were protesting for for a raise in salary because they were getting like very low wages and what happened was that they got deported back without a lot of their families weren't informed so there were a lot so a lot of these sailors were deported back and I think so I would really recommend like people who live in the UK to like really do research about this and I think there's a huge article in the Guardian about this that came out I think last year that was that's very like insightful and um and if you go to um Liverpool there's um a, like a memorial that's that's been set up by the children of these sailors who grew up searching for their fathers um and i think last year the government released an apology i think if it was last year um i'm sorry if i got that wrong but yeah so that that whole part of history is very illuminating for me like i've always been really fascinated by british history but i feel like um most british history is um centered around either the second world war through um Churchill and all of that or the medieval period like Henry VIII and stuff like that but there's a lot of like very interesting history as well with like immigrants who come yeah. to settle in and the it's UK. it's not something we are taught about in school you know if I grew up in the UK in the school system that is certainly not an area that is as you say yeah. the second world war you kind of focus on Churchill you focus on kind of local yeah. you know how the local people were affected or like you say you look at Tudor history or Victorians or and like you say, there's such richest, you know, the whole point of Britain is that we are built with immigrants, people moving in from all over the place. We've built a whole yeah. country around it, but you don't learn about it, which is such a shame. Yeah. And I really recommend um, people um, Googling uh, um, that this um, Googling pictures of um, Chinatown um, in the East End. Um, because when I Googled and looked up those pictures, those were like really really inspired the writing because you can see like faces and people from back then and you see all these like Chinese street signs stuff like that 
So I would recommend people doing that. And even if you like go to, yeah, but it's really cool if you go to the East End, like if you go to Limehouse, you can see like Chinese street names. And um, also the museum, that, um, the museum, um, the London Duckland Museums, right by like- I've heard yes. that museum. Yes, that one's amazing. And that one and the Imperial War Museum in Lambeth, those two are, yeah, great for me. It's all these things that you just, you would never know unless you hear about them or you're learning about them. I just don't feel like you you hear these stories. And, you know, I was obviously woefully ignorant. I had absolutely no idea that there were, you know, Chinese sailors in the Second World War and that's how they were treated. I think if people knew those stories, there'd be a lot more outrage but you just don't hear them. I guess that's how it's, they get yeah. away from you know, these children yeah. looking for their fathers. Yeah, it's been reported in the news, I think, because it's on, some of it is on the BBC website, on The Guardian and stuff like that, but I don't think it's very well, well known. No. Yeah. No, it's so well, interesting. Yeah. And obviously the other thing that we're going to be seeing soon is that your book and these stories are going to be coming to the small screen, right? <laughs> it's in the work. So- yeah, so the the book's been optioned by Netflix, so it's in development right now. That's I feel like that's, um, that's things are not like super. Yeah, things are not like super guaranteed because like yes. anything can happen in Hollywood. Like, but um, things have been going well so far. So we're in yes. development right now. So and we have a screenwriter attached. Before you were published, or did this happen after? Yes. So this happened like before publication, which is very surreal like the whole process was super surreal like it's yeah I still I feel like I can't talk about it without it feeling like someone else's life or like something that happened to someone else but yeah oh my goodness I mean that's the testament to the story that it's been picked up and been optioned before it's been published because it's a beautiful story that I do think would be incredible on big screen little screen I think it translates beautifully um and obviously, again, as well, I know Gemma Chan's been, like, attached yes. and love her. Yeah. Absolutely adore her. Yeah. She's incredible. And, I mean, I just, I can't imagine how it must feel to have your book coming, have that in the works. What comes next for you? How do you follow this? Oh. This is, I've peaked. <laughs> I feel like after this, it's, <laughs> like, like, downhill. <laughs> it's downhill. Like, um, yeah, the, like the Gemma Chan. Yeah, the Gemma Chan thing is crazy because when I was writing the book, I didn't picture any anyone like playing the characters. If that yeah. makes sense, I don't picture the characters as anyone except for the character of the mother, Lily. I've always had Gemma in the back of my head. Like I've always felt like, okay, like I pictured Lily as her. So when she read the book and she f- found so many found such a connection with it because I think her dad also came from Hong Kong her dad was a sailor like they they live stuff like that so she so that was just surreal (laughs) right yeah so I feel like whatever happens knowing that like someone that I picked that I've admired so much and that I've pictured as the character like love the book is is already like huge so I feel like I've peaked (laughs) oh my goodness no so, no I think there's much more to come for you I just have a feeling there's more there's so, more around the corner yeah so I'm tr- what I'm trying to do now is um finish my second book oh my goodness so I'm working on that it's um, a bit of a mess <laughs> to be honest <laughs> Is, I think a second book is so different from a first because your first book you really kind yes. of write never knowing if anyone's going to read it right you kind of write it thinking yeah. it's for me it's for you know 
but your second yeah. move that is a completely different ball game right yes and I also feel like the second book is I think I I'm not a person who has a lot of imagination so a lot of it a lot of what I write is kind of based on my own experiences and I just like dramatize it or like kind of like add a little something yeah something so it's kind of hard when you're like writing something and life is happening at the same time and that informs your work so I'm like oh and yeah so that's what I'm doing I'm writing my second book and I really want to do more stuff with um young writers in Thailand so I really want to that's what I'm aiming for like this year or next year trying to um maybe get like a workshop off the ground or trying to basically yeah I'm very passionate about like young people in Thailand and I think we don't really have we we weren't really taught to write or to appreciate the arts or to explore our creativity growing up in our school system so I think writing is a great tool to help young people like explore who they are express themselves or find their own identity so I'm tr- that's something that's very close to my heart so I'm trying to find a way to figure that out how how I'm gonna do that like back home and do you write poetry yeah. as well don't you I've seen yes. you write poetry and I think again <laughs> poetry is something that is so useful for younger people I remember as a teenager yeah. writing poetry I think if you can get young people to explore poetry and discover their own way of writing, it can be really yeah. powerful. Yeah, I feel like a lot uh, nowadays there are a lot of like Instagram poets, and I think like lots of people um, frown on frown upon that. But I do think that there's like there's merit to that, especially with like young people and people who are online a lot and stuff like that. But yeah, but I feel like my poetry that's very kind of you but I feel like my poetry isn't very like high brow it's basically I use poetry to like vent about my love life most of the time it's basically just like the thing is I think I'm always very much like who kind of devised the way we critique poems or writing or even if something isn't necessarily by the book as it should be I think there's still beauty in someone just putting pen to paper and coming out with words that mean something because even if, you know, as you say, not highbrow, even if a professor picked up and was like, well, this is not correct. Someone else <laughs> can pick that up and be inspired to write. And I think, you know, you're saying about like workshopping with with young people. I think there's this idea that, you know, you have to be a certain type of person to be able to write. You have to have a certain qualification. Yes. To write. You need to have certain, you know, skills. And anybody yeah. can write. In any, in, yeah, okay, yeah. maybe it's not going to be technically correct. But if you're putting pen to paper, yeah. you it. yeah it's like a yeah it's like a form of expression and I feel like everyone can do that and I think especially with like young people or kids it's a great tool for them to explore their emotions or just like let their imagination and creativity like run wild and it's and I've got two very small children um I know from their generation it's you know technology is so prevalent that just encouraging kids to use their imagination and teenagers too getting them to use their imaginations to create something a lot of them have never done that before yeah which is wild I mean I'm a 90s baby so all we had was our imaginations (laughs) that's what yeah I'm a 90s baby as well (laughs) what we had was our imaginations because the internet wasn't everywhere we didn't have phones you had to use your imagination and now I think that needs to be encouraged more like you say in schools and by people coming in and doing workshops yeah. and doing fun things because yeah. I think losing your imagination is would be such a crime 
Yeah, and also it's not just imagination. It's also like critical thinking and learning, <laughs> like teaching. Because um um for the school system in Thailand, it's mostly just memorize memorization. So the teacher right. comes in and writes something. Like kids in Thailand, we aren't even taught to write essays. Wow. So that's yeah. So it's not yeah. so writing is is really not a tool that many people use or know that they capable of. Oh. Yeah, so that's something that I feel like it'll be great for like kids to yeah you know, use that and like discover, discover that yeah, yeah discover that skill I mean that's the thing as well you know when you write an essay and I know essays are terribly boring <laughs> I'm, writing, <laughs> I'm writing some at the moment but you know when oh, you're yeah. given a question to answer your brain has to think about it you have to yeah. think about all the different answers yeah. you can give and when that's not encouraged you're not questioning life either you're not questioning yeah. the things around yeah. you well, it sounds yeah, like it, it's a beautiful idea for you to be able to go yeah. out there and take some of what you've learned and what you're doing and take it out there. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Fingers crossed. But yeah, I'm such a nerd. I love writing essays. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm I'm like... Mind if you like. <laughs> I don't mind it if it's something I'm interested in. It's if I'm given a subject I really don't want to write about, I'm like, oh. oh. Are you writing it for school or is it yeah so I'm in university I'm a uni student as well I'm doing film and oh, so wow. that's why when you're like Netflix Gemma Chan I'm like hello um <laughs> yeah oh, I'm a film that's so well. exciting it's more oh. interesting I was gonna do history and I'm kind of glad I didn't because I'm not good at dates so I think oh I watch yeah I watch a lot of films like um before I started writing like novel like my novel basically I was writing a lot of like freelance um movie reviews and like oh, wow. tv oh, film reviews that. and like yeah. yeah so I I was yeah I've always been like a huge geek in that area yeah. so oh, I've been God, like writing, doing like movie analysis stuff like that <laughs> yeah I love all that stuff and the good thing is it's like I kind of got in a bit of a rut with films I think and tended to watch like the mm. same thing and now I'm doing uh, this I'm watching some of it's very out there but I'm watching a much more varied kind of range of films than I've ever watched before which I love Oh, interesting. What's something that you've just watched that's... Oh, I was made to watch... I say made, like I was forced. I watched a film <laughs> called uh, Festin. It's called The Celebration, okay. but it's a dogma film. Ooh. So it's all filmed with like handheld cameras and you can't use like artificial sound and you can't kind of... There's lots and lots of rules, which actually the film breaks a lot of the rules that they've set. Um, but it's very... It's a very strange watch. I don't know... I would recommend it if you're interested in film. It's quite interesting mm. just to see how they do it. But I'm watching more yeah. horror as well, and I'm quite a wimp. Um, and I've started yeah, I don't watch horror. No, I can't do anything jumpy. You know, if it like jump scares you, oh. can't do that. Yeah. But I'm watching like Midsummer. Mm. We've just done a film based on that. Oh. Kind of like the more eerie stuff. Oh, that's cool. I remember when I did my film module in like uni, they made us watch um Hitchcock the Birds. Oh my goodness. Like, yeah. And that's... I'm very scared of birds. And that no! was like, oh, yes. You know, the poor actress, Tippi Hedren, she didn't know that the birds yes. would be live in the room when he locked her in there. He oh. just got her in there, locked the door and filmed. Yeah, that would be my worst nightmare. That would be like my worst nightmare. I, really? yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm very... I don't mind birds. I'm not, I'm like apathetic. I don't mind a bird. I'm, you know, I wouldn't hug one, but I don't mind them. So I'm all about, <laughs> people are really frightened of birds. I guess it depends how you see them because there is something quite eerie when you get a tree full of birds and that film highlights don't trust birds 
it's it's a strange phobia like when I walk like down the street and I see pigeons I would have to cross the road sometimes just to avoid them <laughs> do you know what look I am so horribly scared of spiders I can't even be if there's one in a room I can't be in the room doesn't matter what size it is I'm leaving so everyone has their thing everyone has something that they're afraid of mine is deep water <laughs> as well I the idea of jumping off oh. a is yeah but that makes sense though I I used to I drowned in deep water once and that was not yeah. not not great I don't recommend it <laughs> do not do it for me it's like when you can't see what's beneath you like I've watched <sighs> Meg I I believe there's something out there that we can't see in the water do you know what I mean like when you can't see and it's so deep I don't know how people do like free diving and no but how do you read the stat that that oh we've we've only just discovered like 50 I think like 10 percent of the ocean or something yeah so what's living in the other 90 that's my that's my problem what lives in the rest yes. of us that we don't know about yeah that's scary that's Mermaid. what terrifies me <laughs> well look you've told me so far that you don't have much of an imagination um uh. <laughs> which I don't think is true from your book I don't yeah. think that's true at all however it does make me a little intrigued for your novel evening um oh. Because you already also said to me that you might have broken the rules a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Because I feel like, um, I think you gave me like characters or authors. And I feel like um, they are definitely, they're not characters. They're like real people. But they no, are, that's fine. Some, some of them are like authors. Well, they're, I think they're more like writers or like thinkers, if that makes sense. Like if their name is featured in a book somewhere along the line, I think Yeah. It's- yeah. I think you're fine. Yeah. So what I usually start with is asking where we're going to go for your evening. Yes. Yeah, I have, I was, I've been deciding between like two places and I can't decide. I think like one is like my, one of my favorite places in the world is Dean Village in Edinburgh. Like just where like the, the water of Leith just like roars past and it's just like a lovely cathartic like place to be. And the other is totally opposite. Like it's just basically a great Thai restaurant with great Thai food. <laughs> I mean, does Edinburgh have a great Thai restaurant? You could eat there. I think there's one, yes. Um, Yes, a great Thai restaurant. Like, just an amazing Thai restaurant. I I know this is a bit of a cop-out because I don't have um, a name of the restaurant ready, but it's a great Thai restaurant. A great Thai restaurant. I'll allow it. Because I also, because I love Thai food, so I will allow this. I approve. 10 out of 10. (laughs) Great Thai, like, yeah, great authentic Thai food. Yeah, I'm really, really lucky, actually, where I live in Devon, we have this tiny, there's a little little Thai food shop next to it, and then there's this tiny oh. little Thai restaurant, and it's like being in someone's living room, because they obviously all live above it, so when you're having dinner in there, they'll come down and, like, make their tea and stuff, and take it upstairs, Aww, and it's nice to ladies, and the food is so good. Like, you know the difference. You know when you go to a Thai restaurant or a takeaway, and you're like, that's eh, good, and then you have Thai food that's yeah. really cooked with, yeah. like, and oh my god, I'm so it's literally like I can almost see it out my window. So I'm so very yeah. happy, but I don't eat that. Whenever, any- whenever I order Thai food in the UK, I would have to be like, oh, make it the Thai way, like not <laughs> just make it for like Thai, like just us Thai do it people the way, to eat, yeah. and then it'll be different. <laughs> yeah, you get something different if you do that. <laughs> really? Yes, that's a that's a little like secret. Oh, yeah, you, it's Thai yeah. way. That's what you have to say to unlock yeah. the the good stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a bit of a wimp with heat though and they do laugh oh. at me because they'll always say they're like medium or hot and I'm like do you have a mild option <laughs> and the mild is still always like pretty spicy do you know what I mean like it's never no spice yep yep I'm, I'm said, also like, like 
Yeah, I'm not great with spice, like according to Thai standards. Yeah. I'm not like super great, but yeah. But I think compared to like, compared to um, non-Thais, yeah. Yeah, I am, I'm an absolute grade A wimp when it comes to food. So like if I have like, I don't know, noodles, it has to have no chilies. And I know that's like asking the impossible because even if it's like no chilies, they'll always be like, they'll chuck like a few in there just to like, they're like, you need to acclimatize yourself. Yeah, you need a little bit. You need a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Like you're never you going to be able to come here and eat the hot if you won't let us give yeah. you some spice. So you're going to have to have a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I love it. Right. We're going to sell into the Thai restaurant and then maybe go to Dean Village yes. for a walk after. Yeah. Yes. That's a great idea, actually. Okay. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. And we're going to, I guess we're going to have this restaurant to ourselves. Yes. Yeah, like a huge table. I'll be ordering. (laughs) Oh yes. Okay. Okay. So who's the first person who's going to arrive? Um, Bruce Lee. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, It's a little bit of cheating because he's not an author, but he's definitely done a. Um, he did a lot of writing, so he did a lot of like um philo. He's he was very into philosophy, so he. I think you can buy all of his journals online like there's a book of his like journals so he would write down his philosophy behind his martial arts like his philosophy with life and stuff like that he would like write them down so he's uh I feel like as a person he obviously as an icon he means a lot to Asian people around the world especially to Chinese people like I love Bruce Lee because my dad grew up watching his movies and yeah loves loves him as well so I find him just a very intelligent, just a very, he's a very intelligent man. Like he's, he straddled, I think he straddled between like the East and the West way of thinking in a very fascinating way. So I would love to basically pick his brain and just like know what he, just like get to know him and like also his charisma just be in his like presence that would just be yeah there's like a tiny Bruce Lee cameo in my novel not I hope I do injustice but yeah so yeah my son has a there's a series of books called little people big dreams and they're like little autobiographies for children and he has the Bruce Lee one so we read it quite a lot but there was so yeah. much I didn't know about him. Like he was an excellent yes. dancer. He was yes, he was a warm dancer. Yeah, like obviously in there it says he was really into philosophy and yeah. you know, he really crossed from kind of Western cinema to kind of Eastern cinema. He did mm. all of it and he did it so well. Yeah, and he was also a child actor growing up in Hong Kong as yeah. well. So that's a lot. There's a lot of like very interesting. Um, I would really recommend a, a documentary. I think it's on Disney Plus. It's called Bruce Lee Be Water. I think. yeah that that one is it's so emotional I cry watching it but I think a lot of people would think that he's just this like kind of like see like movie star like martial arts person but there's a lot of philosophy and a lot of very interesting like ideas behind everything he does like so he's a very like thoughtful very smart very charismatic person yeah and he was also yeah. gorgeous when he was younger. Yes. But I, yes. yes. I would be quite yes. happy for Bruce Lee to be at a table with us. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and he has amazing fashion sense. <laughs> I know. When I just, I mean, all I ever used to see was obviously kind of the end of the dragon kind of looks. But when you see him offset yeah. as well, he wore some yeah. outfits. Yes, he had a lot of sauce. <laughs> yeah, he did. He really did. Like, he knew he was a good looking guy and he was not yep. ashamed to own that. 
yeah so oh. yeah bruce lee for sure bruce lee okay well bruce can obviously come yeah. sit next to you uh we're gonna sit at the table yes. okay who's next <laughs> this is also going to be like a very it's going to be a very strange very unusual combination okay. that's all i'll say um the next is um he's a um i consider like rappers writers as well like um because i consider them poets so one of my favorite rappers and i find him so interesting as a person is Tupac Shakur so Tupac <laughs> Tupac would be there because um Sorry, I read I his poem Tupac and Bruce came on really well that would be an amazing conversation I feel like because also Tupac is, was also an actor and some people would say that he's a better actor than he's a rapper which is debatable but he's a very very great actor I think and he's also a thinker as well because his his mom was a black panther so he grew up with a lot of like like I think a lot I think he I also see many similarities between him and Bruce in a way and the way that they think and stuff like that so I've always found him fascinating as a person as well because I feel like he he held two very contrasting different sides yeah within himself like he has had two very contrasting like personalities yeah so I've always like and I've all also like love his poetry and the way he writes like the um the yeah. the raps he 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 wrote and stuff like that so yeah. I would yeah I would and also how charismatic he is as well I was I gonna to, say he's he also the room. incredibly yeah. charismatic I mean you this is a take already you've only got two guests and this is an intimidating table yeah yeah I mean again I think Tupac in a lot of ways was really ahead of his time as well and some of the ways he thought particularly you know when the kind of the AIDS crisis was happening his kind of thoughts and feelings on that and homosexuality and he was a lot more kind of unconventional than a lot of other rappers at the time his kind of way of thinking was very different yeah and I've read his poetry as well and I think his poetry is very moving and also very like raw in a way that's that's very interesting as well like I think there's um, one I think one of his famous poems is the rose that grew from concrete so that's a very yes famous poem that yes I have like, yeah that. yeah, yeah but very so, interesting okay. yeah so yeah Tupac <laughs> okay so we've got Tupac and Bruce Lee yes <laughs> this is a first by the way like I don't care <laughs> rules because this is this is a first okay who's next um, the last person, the third person. Um, this one's an author, I think. Um, okay. it's one of my favorite like people ever. It's Carrie Fisher. <gasps> yes. Um, um Princess Leia, like Carrie Fisher. Yeah, <laughs> Carrie Fisher. I'm trying to picture her with Bruce Lee. She would not. She would hold her own with Tupac and Bruce Lee. Yes. Yes. She has such a wit as well, Carrie Fisher. Yes. She's so witty and so dry with her humor. Yeah and um and she's also a very great like um writer I don't think many people know this um she um yeah she doctored a lot of the Star Wars scripts I think and she doctored a lot of scripts and and um she um she's she's written a couple of novels I have like one of hers like behind me I think one got made a got um turned into a movie with Meryl Streep I think oh what's it called um that sounds familiar I can't think of the name but yeah I think I had heard that she wrote something it will come yeah. to me that's going to annoy me now yes. I'm going to have to google and 
Yeah, and one of the um one of the novels uh, that she's written that I really love is called Surrender the Pink, and I think it's like about this like romantic relationship. And she, I think she's a very she's a very like precise, very emotional writer. When you think of um celebrities, quote unquote celebrities who are um who are writers, you sort of think of like they are they they use ghostwriters or they yes. they they write kind of like voices flim- quite generic. Yeah, yeah generic quite flimsy. generic kind of voice. Yeah. Yeah, but it's but her writing is actually very it's basically how she, she is as a person. Yeah. If you watch her interviews or you watch her old stand-up, um I think it's called um wishful drinking that's a yes. that's a name oh my God, I that. yes yeah she's amazing so like her novels and her writing is very much similar to how she is how she speaks yeah. as a person so oh the Meryl Streep movie um Meryl Streep with Shirley uh Shirley MacLaine it's postcards from the edge oh, that one's, yeah. yeah that's the one yeah and also um she wrote one of her last I think I'm not sure if this was the last book that that was published before she died but I think it's called um Princess Di- the Princess Diaries and it's basically yes. her journals from when she was filming Star Wars and like very and interesting <laughs> yes and so you get her poems her journal entries like her affair with Harrison Ford and yeah. all of that and she like wrote all of that down fair play, and, <laughs> like, fair play with yeah. Harrison Ford oh my lord yeah <laughs> and she like wrote everything in such a, it's not like the way you and I journal it's very like I don't know how you journal but I'm like not the <laughs> average person how the average person would journal I'm like, average this, like, journaler yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry for assuming you're yes! an average journaler <laughs> I don't journal and I, um, I always mean to and I'll start a journal and I'll do it for like three weeks and then I'll forget about it so um, I am a subpar journaler so you were right subpar yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Carrie Fisher was like an elite journaler. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right word. She was like, like she unlocked boss level. Yeah, and like it's very like poetic language, and it's actually a very like emotional read, like the the, the Princess Diary. So I really recommend oh. people guessing that. And yeah, so I would, and she also grew up. I'm very fascinated by the concept of fame in general, how that yes. kind of expands. Oh, like. Oh, personality. She grew or... up in a famous household. She was yeah, from, yeah. And I feel like this would be a very um, the three of them would be these are people with very immense like fame yeah. that they would have, and I would feel like it would be a very interesting combination and just a stimulating you would just sit back conversation. And listen, wouldn't you? You wouldn't even need to join in. You'd yeah, just listen to what's happening. Yeah. Oh, so, I like it. Okay. Yeah, so that's so, three choices. Yeah, I like it's intimate. We're in our little Thai restaurant. It's an intimate gathering, which I think is lovely. And and it's you've got three big personalities. I think if you add two yes. to this, it would become too much. Yeah. So you've got it's nice. You've got a nice group. So is Yeah, that- and I feel like that's why we need food. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. We need food to eat, we need some drinks. It's uh we're in for the long haul yeah. with these guys. We're gonna be there okay. for a while, I think, talking, yes. debating. But is there anybody you don't want to show up? Uh, I thought about this. I feel like I feel like anyone could show up, and these three would be able to handle them. That's very true. Yeah, no, that yeah. is very true. I don't think I can think of anyone yeah. that they would know. Yeah, because I thought like, oh, the, I feel like the most generic answer would be someone like Trump, like someone like horrible. even then, I feel like Carrie Fisher would relish would. the opportunity. <laughs> yes. Sit at a table with Trump. 
I don't think they'd be holding back. No, you're right. I don't think there's anyone they couldn't yeah. handle. So I, I think like one of the, this might be a random answer, but I've been watching a lot of Ted Lasso lately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, the character of Rupert, um, um, what's her name? Ha- ha- um, Rebecca's uh, Hannah, what's her Bingham. name? Hannah yeah, Wish- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ex-husband. Yeah. The awful, like, I feel like, yeah, that's an awful character. Like, what, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, so like, just like, awful like yeah like all the awful white men just awful white men we just don't yeah everyone can handle them we just don't want them yes yes i think that's 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 the best yeah i think that's a fair rule to have look i it's an unorthodox novel evening it's unlike any that i've had but (laughs) i really like it thank you i'm really impressed (laughs) and i would very much like to be part of this evening it's a cool lineup yeah, I think it's because I've thought of this question before. I think I've thought yeah. like, oh, if I could get like, what would like, what would my ideal evening be with people like famous people or people I admire? Or it would be these people. Goodies. I'm very impressed. Yeah. And before I let you go and uh, enjoy the rest of your very warm day in Bangkok, yes. uh, I have to uh, have to ask if you're reading anything at the moment. Yes, um, I just finished. Um, so. I'm about to um to start crying in H H mod. I don't know if you heard of that. Like there's a memoir. Um, I think it's um about um a, a relationship between a Korean American woman and her mom. Oh, so I, I think I've heard, heard of, of that. Yes, yes, crying H mod. So I'm about to start that. I'm very excited about that because I've heard like amazing things. Yeah. And the last amazing book I finished it was um Small Joys by um yes. Elvin James Menzer. Like, he's a very, he's a very good friend, but I'm not, like, plucking his book just because he's a friend, but, like, the it's book is, a book. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, like, one of the best novels I've read in a long time, and wow. it, um, he, Elvin likes to say that he um, wants the book to feel like a warm hug, and it really does, and it's a very, like, wholesome, positive, like, lovely book, so I would, like, really recommend it. There's nothing better than when you read a friend's book and you genuinely love it. Yes yes because when you when you're like eh, yeah, this well, like either way you have to be like yeah it was good but yeah. then you know, when you genuinely have fallen in love with something yeah. that's written and you can't quite believe they wrote it and you're like you yeah. made this yeah and it's also like knowing Elvin he's such a lovely person as well and so much of the book captures what he's about as a person as well so when like when I read it I felt like so proud so I feel like everyone should go get small joys it's oh. definitely like worth the read it sounds like yeah. the read as well the sun is starting to come out summer's like approaching that's what yes. you want you want a nice yes. lovely yeah. book to sit with yeah maybe not crying itch but <laughs> just yeah. in a few days. I I look, yeah I'm looking forward to if it if nothing else the sunshine will counteract what's happening in the book yeah works both ways but look thank you so so much for coming to chat to me uh the book is going to do incredibly this will probably come out in june the book may already be live and out and in the world um it comes out june 1st june 1st is not far away (laughs) 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 but look it's from what i have read on instagram people are absolutely loving it it is already getting such rave reviews it's going to do fantastically and congratulations thank you so much thank you it's been so nice talking to you oh and you thank you so so much Pim. okay